In shadows deep, where darkness lay, a light emerged, dispelling gray. The people, walking, lost and blind, beheld a radiant light defined. No more the path of night they roam, for the light of life now leads them home. The Lord revealed salvation's might, his righteousness to nation's sight. Shout for joy, let all the earth in jubilant song declare his worth. With harp and trumpet, let music soar before the king, our voices pour. Let rivers clap and mountains sing, creation's chorus, heaven's fling. The seas resound, the world proclaim in joyful praise, exalt his name. Joy to the world, the Lord is near. Let every heart his presence cheer. Prepare him room in every soul. Let heaven and nature join the roll. With joy, the earth receives her king. Let nature and angels their praises sing. The Lord has come, our hearts enthrall. In hymns of joy, let praises fall. Uh, so glad that you're here as we celebrate the greatest thing. As we join together, not only in this room and not only with the other services that are happening here at Cornwall and not only with the other churches in Whatcom County or in the United States, but you think about it. What other event historically or annually draws the same kind of gathering globally as the birth of Jesus? In every single time zone, on every continent, in every kind of language imaginable, from large cathedrals to small gatherings, people are gathered together and have been for hundreds and thousands of years, and we join them not only this weekend, but throughout history to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Christ the Lord. What a great opportunity to be able to be here, and I'm glad that you're here joining with us on that it's always already been a great time to, to, to worship and to, to sing and our, our musicians. Wow, what an amazing group, uh, what they've done. You know, we've been working on this service for a while. And several weeks ago, Ron, our, our worship director, several weeks ago, Ron was talking to his 12-year-old daughter, Kamea, about the Christmas Eve services. And she made this statement, Dad, tell Bob to give the people what they want. Which he laughed and said, okay, Kamea, what do the people want? And she said, a short sermon, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and call it good. <laughs> so the people have spoken uh, through Kamea, and um, I will do my best to, to uphold at least the short sermon part of that, uh, but I'm glad you're here. This year, uh, throughout December and throughout this weekend, we have chosen for our theme this phrase, heaven and nature sing. Not a phrase that we made up, as you're probably well aware. It's a great line out of that wonderful song, probably the most recorded Christmas song of all. Uh, right there with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. But <laughs> joy to the world. We sang it already uh, today. That line, heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. This song is probably the song that the, the, the composer, the author, the, 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 the one who wrote it, this is what he's probably best known for, this song. His name is Isaac Watts. Now, he was not a one-hit wonder kind of an, a song guy. He wrote a lot of things. In fact, he was a genius, brilliant. In fact, he wrote academic books on things like logic, philosophy, psychiatry, or psychology, uh, as well as, um, there was one other, but I can't think of it. He was way more brilliant than I am. But, but he wrote a book on it, whatever it was. Astronomy, there you go. And these books that he wrote were used as academic textbooks in Yale and Harvard uh, for many, many years, in Oxford. 
But it wasn't just as an adult writing these, these academic tomes. Even as a little boy, he was incredibly brilliant. As a four-year-old boy, he learned Latin. At nine years of age, he learned Greek. At 11 years of age, he learned French. And at 13 years of age, he learned Hebrew. And with his grasp of, of language and with his brilliant mind, he had this ability to rhyme things, to put answers together with, without even really giving it much thought, without writing it down. And he would, he would respond with these little limericks, these little rhymes. And his parents were amazed by this. And they encouraged it because they saw in him this brilliance and this artistic side, even in the midst of his intelligence. And as they were amazed by it, he would begin to do this over and over again in, to the point where it was no longer amazing, but quite annoying. And so then they thought, well, we, we need to kind of slow him down on this thing. So they asked him not to do that anymore, but he just continued on. They forbade him from doing this, and he continued on. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Princess Bride, but there's a scene where they're making rhymes, and finally the one guy says, no more rhymes, and I mean it. And Andre the Giant cannot help himself but say, Anybody want a peanut? Yes, yeah, like I can't help but do these rhymes. I think Isaac Watts was the same way. Because even when his dad says, no more rhymes and I mean it, he continued on. In fact, it's reported that one time his father was so done with this, that he says, any more of these and you're going to get spanked. And when he had young Isaac Watts over his knees, his, uh, uh, Isaac said this, oh father, do some pity take and I will no more verses make. <laughs> Which probably didn't get him out of the spanking. But he did continue to make verses. And it wasn't just little answers and limericks, but he wrote profound, beautiful, powerful poetry. So much so that it began to be published and began to, to be spread wide. And there was a woman named Elizabeth Singer who was a poet in her own right. And she read Isaac Watts' poetry, and she was so moved by it that she wrote him a letter telling him how, how it had impacted her and as a poet, and they began to correspond back and forth. And she was taken by his wit and by his wisdom, about his use of words and the way he would weave these things together. And as they corresponded over time, she fell in love with him, sight unseen. So much taken by this man, Isaac Watts, that in one of her letters, she proposed that possibly they should get married. And so they finally met. And after meeting Isaac Watts, she retracted her proposal. And she wrote to a friend, he's only five foot tall, he has a shallow face, he has a hooked nose, prominent cheekbones, tiny eyes, and a deathly color about him. He never got married because apparently others looked at him as well. But he continued to write. In fact, he would not just write academic books and poetry, but he was so frustrated with the music of the church, felt like it was lifeless, it was boring, that his father said, if you don't like the music of the church, why don't you write something different? And so he did. And over his lifetime, he wrote six or seven hundred hymns. If you were raised in church, there's probably a couple of, of hymns that he wrote that you sang. When I surveyed the wondrous cross, O oh God, our help in ages past. He wrote these things and hundreds of other hymns. But one day, when he was reading Psalm 98, and let me read these words, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, burst into jubilant song with music, let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy, 
Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. And when he read these words, he began to pen this familiar song that we sing. It originally was not written as a Christmas song, but he wrote, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. Well, now, this is biblical. I mean, in the Christmas story, the angels and the angelic host come and they have this chorus. But even before that, in Psalm 19, it talks about heaven and nature singing. Psalm 19 says that the, that the heavens declare the glory of God. Like the, the cosmos, the, the skies proclaim the work of his hand. Day after day, they pour forth speech. And night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into the ends of the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. And that's just the cosmos. But all of creation as well. In Isaiah 55, it says, You shall go forth with joy and, and, and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth in song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. The trees are the percussion section as the mountains and the hills break forth. And Jesus said, Hey, listen, if, if these don't praise me, the very rocks will cry out. But it wasn't just about the glory of God, though that was, that was enough. It was joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. It's the birth of this one, the one that we celebrate today. And 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So today, we light the Christ candle as a reminder that the Lord has come. The Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And why wouldn't heaven and nature sing if this one that has come from heaven, this one who is the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, why wouldn't heaven and nature sing? But what about when things aren't so wonderful as that? What about when it seems that heaven is singing out of key and a little off tune? What about when nature is not really clapping on the right beat and the trees in the percussion section are a little out of sync? And things aren't all right in this world. Last weekend, I went to see my mom. This is a tradition that we've been doing for the last four or five years because of Christmas Eve services and her age. I don't get down there on Christmas Day. She doesn't travel up here. So we take a weekend before uh, Christmas to spend together. It's kind of a mother-son thing. And this is something that she and I do. My other siblings aren't invited, but it's just, it's just us. And it started this about four or five years ago because quite frankly, she's getting old. So I need to take advantage of this because, well, she'll die. But I want to be able to spend some Christmases together. I know that's really dark human, but we're all going to die. So just go ahead and face it. So, so we went down, I went down uh, last weekend, and we have some things we do every year in this tradition, some seasonal traditions, uh, things that just kind of say Merry Christmas. Uh, you, you do these as well. The, the, the primary one is that we go to In-N-Out Burger <laughs> because there is nothing that says joy to the world like In-N-Out Burger. 
So we go to In-N-Out Burger, and then we listen to this Nat King Cole Christmas album that I was raised with, and we look at Christmas lights, and we do, there's a poinsettia that's involved. Well, this year, she said, hey, there's, I heard about a church north of town that's doing a drive-through nativity. Thought we might check it out. I said, sounds great. Well, we didn't know what to expect. I'm thinking, we'll just drive through the church parking lot and out in the field, they'll have a, you know, kind of a lean-to shed set up and some people, and there might be a cow or a couple of sheep or whatever, a dog. I don't know. That's, uh, so we got there, and that's not what it was. In fact, I was really quite surprised because there was some use of technology in the church. I mean, there was this QR code, and as you scanned it, then it, it allowed you to have in your sound system, in your car, the, the thing, and there were four different scenes, and you would drive and park, and then you would hit this button, and it would narrate within your car, and they would act. It was pretty amazing. We got to the third scene. Now, whoever put this together had the insight to know Eliminate as many outliers that you can't control as possible. So there were no live animals in this at all. That's wisdom says that, okay, because you can't control them. So there's no livestock. But the third scene was the scene where the angels appeared to the shepherds. Shepherds need to have sheep, but there's no live animals. So we pull up and we park. We hit the So there they are, the two sheep. One of them's about eight years old, one of them's about six years old. And I'm guessing they're brothers. It reminded me so much of my brother and I growing up because we were in these plays as well. So here's this eight-year-old, this six-year-old. They're wearing kind of a sheep onesie, like, you know, Ralphie in, in the Christmas story with his pink bunny thing. So that, but they're sheep, and, and so they're standing there. And it looks like, my guess, their dad is the shepherd to keep the sheep in control. So the dad's a shepherd. Well, the angel comes out, and, you know, and, and he, dad's sore afraid, and the sheep are doing their thing. And, and so as the, all this is going on, the angel does his piece, and then it gets into the narrative in Luke chapter 2, where a whole host of the angelic beings come out. So here comes about five or six of these young gals, uh, probably 12 years old or so, preteen, teenage, and they're in these white flowing angelic deals. And the first gal, she's coming out and the angels are coming and her halo falls off. And so she stops to pick it up and the other angels are going along not seeing that and they start piling up, kind of like this slapstick Three Stooges scene. And, and, and so then she puts his halo back on and now she's laughing so hard without the barrettes, it keeps falling off. And I'm thinking this is great. Meanwhile, young sheep is kind of nudging his brother and older brother's not having it and nudging back. And it's starting to get to the point where these sheep are going to get into this brawl and his brother does this. And now the shepherd has to put one of the sheep in time out so they don't fight. So here's the angel saying, glory to God in the highest. The angels can't keep their halos on. Peace on earth. And the sheep are brawling. <laughs> it was the best. I mean, I loved it. They're probably going, this is horrible. I'm thinking, this is fantastic. This makes it worth everything. This is so great. Later on, I was thinking about that. And I thought, that is so good. And then it struck me. That is fantastic. Because what happened there, what looked like the disaster, looked like the bad news of the whole evening, is a microcosm of the human condition. Because God's creation has a hard time keeping their halos on. And I'm talking about you and me. That we do things and the halo falls off. And we find ourselves in time out and we find ourselves in tension with one another and we find ourselves in all this and where's this peace on earth and all this stuff is going on. I'm thinking, this is exactly why there is the need for the Christmas story. This is the reason. Why is there good news? Because there's bad news. If there weren't God's 
beings who can't keep a halo on and can't keep from fighting and being in timeout and being on the naughty list, there would be no need for the good news. That's why we even have Christmas. So let's revisit that again out of Luke chapter 2. Ava quoted it for us, but let me read a part of it here. Luke chapter 2, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. Not the good people. Not just the religious people. Not the people that have never messed up. For all the people. The people who can't keep the halo on. The people that are in timeout. The people that are on the naughty list. Good news for all the people. For in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This is good news even for and especially for those who've messed up. The Bible calls that sin. And that's all of us. And that a Savior would be born, born, like a little baby, to us. That the infinite becomes an infant. So that we might have a right relationship with God. Well, as the story goes on, it says then this great you know, host of, of the angelic beings come. And they say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace on those with whom his favor rests. So that sounds like God has some that he's, they're like his favorites. And that's, that's who gets this. Well, this whole idea of the favor resting is, is God's favor is the grace of God. The grace for those who deserve it least, but need it most. So when you think about that, the glory of God in the highest is the grace of God for the lowest. That's his glory. And that's the good news. That's the good news for every single one of us. Because all of us, like the kids in the scene, have made a disaster of the scene. But God's glory is giving us his grace. When Joseph hears about this son that would be born in Matthew chapter 21, it's revealed to him, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. That wouldn't have been a name that Joseph would have chosen. Joseph probably would have called him Joseph, but to call him Jesus, and there's a specific reason. Jesus, this Greek version of the, of the, of the Hebrew, Joshua, Yeshua, the name itself means the Lord saves. And he says, this is why you're going to call him. This is not just going to be his identity. This is going to be his purpose. You'll give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The primary obstacle, the primary barrier between us and our Heavenly Father is our sin, our guilt, our shame, the fear that goes with that. And if we could somehow take care of it on our own, we wouldn't need a Savior. That's the bad news, that we can't do this on our own. We can't be good enough. We can't obey enough. We can't right the wrongs enough. We need someone to save us from our sins, to have the grace of God for the lowest, for us. And to have that, that that would be the good news of great joy. 
This idea that, that maybe our sin has somehow separated us from God's grace. Do you understand? Sin is the prerequisite for God's grace. Now, that doesn't mean <laughs> that it's the reward for your sin. It's the remedy of your sin. This idea that God just wants to judge me, just wants to condemn me, just wants to punish me. No, that's not what Christmas is about. That's not what God's about. Let me remind you in John 3, 17, where it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. No wonder heaven and nature would sing because of the God's grace. Now listen, if that was all Christmas was, that, that would be enough for heaven and nature to sing about for all of eternity. That would be enough for us to celebrate worldwide. That would be enough, but there's even more to this because it wouldn't just be Jesus as the name that he would be referred to. There would be another title that he would be given, another name that he would be given. In Matthew chapter 123, it says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, if it's only Jesus as a savior, we can say, okay, well then we've got our sin taken care of, we've got the heaven thing taken care of, and that's it, and we go on with life. But no, no, God says, I don't want to just be that. I'm God with you. In the most beautiful sense of the word, the transcendent God condescends, descends down to be with us, to walk with us, to do life with us, to comfort us, to guide us, to transform us, to strengthen us, to walk every single day alongside of us. God says, I want to be with you. You see, the whole idea is that Jesus came Yes, to forgive our sins, but it's not just so that someday we can get our way into heaven. That's part of it, and it's a great part of it. But it's so that today we can walk with him in a right relationship. And I know for some of you, this is a very difficult season of life. For some of you, this is a first year without a loved one. To have the God of all comfort walk alongside in your sorrow knowing that he'll never leave you or forsake you. In times when we're not sure what to do, to know that the all-knowing God comes to guide us by his spirit in life. And to have this good news, a great joy, that Jesus is not just the savior of the world, but he's my savior. And he's not just God with us, he's God with me. Let me let you in on a little secret. Don't tell anybody this. A little secret. That our gathering today and what we do and all the things that we do here at Cornwall Church, we have an agenda. Some of you were suspecting that. Let me just be full disclosure. Here's our agenda. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our agenda. That's what we want for every single one of you. That you would find that it's not just heaven and nature that sings, but you could join in that song. That it's good news of great joy for you as well. And that's what we long for. And our prayer has been that today would be your day. Today would be the day when you receive this gift from God to have Jesus as your Savior and Jesus as your Emmanuel and to walk 
in new life with him. Now, that's my sermon. Don't clap. (laughs) The people have spoken. The pastor has delivered. But Kamea said that wasn't all that the people wanted. That they also wanted the Charlie Brown Christmas. And we're not going to show that. But let me fulfill your desires. So many of you are familiar with the Peanuts cartoon strip or the cartoons. And, and very much so the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It's been shown for 50 some years. It's a classic. And there's Charlie Brown with his signature yellow shirt with the black you know, zigzags across it. And there's Pigpen with his signature aura about him. And there's Schroeder with his signature piano, and, and Linus with his signature security blanket, never without it. And then you've got, you've got Lucy and Peppermint Patty and Snoopy and such, but Woodstock. But Linus with his, his, his little security blanket, because he's so insecure, and they're always trying to get him to, to get rid of it and take it away and all that. In 2015, eight years ago, there's a man named uh, Jason Sarosky. Jason Sarosky wrote a blog post eight eight years ago, that has really gone viral. Some of you have probably read this on your social or you've heard it. You've been to churches where they talked about it. Uh, I never have, but so today's the day. He wrote this blog post about this moment in the Peanuts Christmas story when Charlie Brown says, can't anyone tell me what this is all about? And so Linus goes out on the stage and he does what Ava did today. He quotes Luke chapter 2. And for the only time in all the history of the Peanuts cartoons, when he gets to the line, fear not, he drops his security, bl- security blanket. Fear not, I bring you good news. It's never happened before. It's the first time. In fact, I've got a picture of this. You see him there with the blanket. And then when he says, fear not, I bring you good news. And Swarovski went on to say, Charles Schultz put this little subtle message in that many of us never caught for 50 years. That we don't have to live insecure lives. That we don't have to fear that we're going to have a God that's angry and judgmental and going to condemn us and and punish us. That we don't have to fear how are we going to face today and tomorrow and the rest of our life. That we can say, fear not, there is good news. There's a Savior. There's an Emmanuel yet we hold on. And maybe today's when we let go, drop the blanket with open arms to receive the gift. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, it says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. For unto us a son is given. Joy to the world. Let heaven and nature sing. See, our prayer is that this won't just be a beautiful seasonal story for you, but a personal reality that you live in every single day. I wonder if you'd just bow your head for a moment and just close your eyes. I want to give you the opportunity, maybe today is the day when you drop it all and say, I want to receive this gift. I don't want to just know about Jesus as the Savior of the world. I want him for the Savior of my life. Not just that God is with us generally, but that God would walk with me. So maybe today, right where you're sitting, just quietly pray something in your heart.
It doesn't have to be these words. Father, thank you for sending the gift of your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being the Savior. And today I want you to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins, to be my Emmanuel, so that I can do life with you, that you would guide me, you would lead me, you would direct me and transform me, strengthen me, comfort me, fill me with your life. So cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. Amen. So if you prayed something like that, it's not the end of the story. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of a relationship. Yes, your sins have been forgiven. Yes, your eternity has been secured. But now it's a life walking with Jesus every single day. And our desire is that you would find and follow him. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today on your way out, if you just pick one of these up, uh, it's a New Testament, it's got a little note in here. We want to encourage you in your spiritual journey. If you've prayed that prayer, if you want to find and follow Jesus, get involved in a church. We'd love to have you involved here at Cornwall Church. If this isn't the church for you, we get that. But find a church that teaches the word of God and lifts up the name of Jesus and surround yourself with some people that are following Jesus as well. That you can experience this life that all of heaven and nature sings about. It's the greatest, greatest thing in the world. You know, we have a tradition here at Cornwall Church in our Christmas Eve services. And it's how we end our Christmas Eve services, with a song and with some candles. Uh, years ago, some of you have heard the name Travis Tritt. He was a big country star. But in his early years, before he hit it big, he used to play in these um, CD bars, these dives, these honky-tonks. And he said sometimes it would get a little bit dangerous in there when the alcohol had been flowing and the bravado was starting to raise. And there's bikers and there's rednecks and all types there. And he said that in those early years, when it looked like it was going to get kind of out of control, a little bit dangerous, when the bikers would start reaching for the pool cues and the rednecks would start reaching for the gun racks and it was going to get crazy, he would look back to his band and he would signal them. And he said, it didn't matter where they were. It didn't matter when it was. Even in the middle of July, they would start playing Silent Night. And he said, it worked every time. Now, I'm not expecting we're going to have a brawl here today. <laughs> but it's a tradition that we have to end with this beautiful song and to have candlelight. Now, as you came in, there was a candle on your chair. And we ask that you would get this. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And today we're going to light these candles. And I'm going to invite you to stand. And if you're a parent here with a child, help the child out. But as we pass the flame, this room will be filled with all of our light, all of it originating from the light of the Christ candle. A beautiful picture of what he does in our life. Go ahead and stand. And as you pass this flame from one person to the next, if your candle's lit, keep it upright. If Don't turn it sideways. Put lights over. But we're going to light this as a representation of Jesus being the light of the world, bringing his light to us and us taking his light into the world.
light of the world in a world that's so dark so broken filled with hatred division injustice pain that you came to bring hope healing to bring love and forgiveness light and life and I pray that we who have experienced your grace would go as you have called us to be the light of the world and that in this dark world wherever we go there would be a little bit of a bright spot of people who received love and forgiveness and grace that we would bring that bring healing, reconciliation unity justice and life so Lord I pray that we would live not just today but throughout our lives in your light for your glory we pray this in your name Amen I wonder if we just raise our candles up and sing this third verse again Silent night oh. On behalf of Cornwall Church, our staff, our volunteers, the team here, we want to say Merry Christmas. So grateful that you came today. Live in the reality of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Be the light in this world that is so dark. God bless you. I love you out here. Oh, on the way out, drop your candles in the, in the baskets and blow them out first. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love for you to pick up a new believer's packet. Otherwise, have a Merry Christmas. God bless you. <laughs>